Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome. I'm really happy because <laughs> I get a chance to share and talk with people and get feedback from you guys. And I love doing this podcast. This is something that I'm finding I'm getting so much enjoyment out of and I'm really hoping and that you, that you feel the same way. And so those of you that have reached out, thank you. Much appreciated. Keeping it going here. And on that note, I have my good friend Cliff Samuels, who is a yoga practitioner, and he is going to join us uh, from Bali in Indonesia. Yes, lucky Cliff, I will agree. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited for you guys to have a listen to this conversation because I think um, Cliff is just a really cool dude, and he's got a great outlook on life. And I love his sense of humor, and I love his the way he. He sees things and, uh, you know, I also am stoked to have conversation with um, friends and or fellow Americans that are living overseas right now. I find it's really fascinating to hear their take on what's going on in the world and what we what they how they feel when they watch what's going on over here on this side of the world. Um, so, all right, well, let's just get to it here. I'm excited to introduce you to Mr. Cliff Samuels. Cliff, how you doing? Well, the more pressing question is, how's Georgie doing? Oh man, Georgie, uh, our new little pup is doing amazing. She is 12 weeks old and... Yeah, what a great addition to the family. I really appreciate you asking. That was that was great, man. You just threw it right back on me there. <laughs> I like well, that. There's more wisdom from there's more <laughs> wisdom from pet, pets than there is uh, from a master's degree. So, uh, oh man, that's so true, yeah. Cliff. And and actually, on that note, my children have been uh, begging us to get a dog and and to be really honest I I was just really given a lot of I I was just pushing back I was saying you know we we already have two bearded dragons and um you know there's a few allergies here and there and if we get a dog then all these possible things that you know a dog might present in terms of different challenges and uh and now I'm the biggest softie ever, and and uh, yeah, now t- it's reversed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now it's like, what was I thinking? What was the hesitation? But yeah, exactly. they're they're amazing. Exactly, exactly. Are you are you a pet? Well, well, you know, on that note, let me let me preface um, all of our listeners that I'm really excited to to have you here, Cliff, because um, you know, you're a friend and uh, a yoga practitioner and uh, and then you're interested in a lot of different things. But what's really cool is that we're communicating via Wi-Fi because you're over in Bali in Indonesia and I'm over here in Florida in the USA. And uh, we got a 12 hour. Yeah, you're in Jupiter. I'm in Ubud. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, man, I want to hear about Bali. Tell me tell me what your feeling is and what you're, how, how are you enjoying it? Well, since since the dynamic has changed, it's turned into a very well. It's always been very peaceful and mellow, but now it's really easy to get around, and uh, it sort of takes you back what it might have been like, you know, twenty five or thirty years ago. So it's been it's been a uh, blessing in that sense, being able to experience it that way away from the um, you know all the tourism. And, and lots of uh, other stuff going on, so it's been really nice. Oh man, I bet I, I have had the pleasure of being able to go to Bali once, and it's such an incredible island. And I, um, <clears throat> I can't imagine <laughs> ha- having a, a, a reduction of tourism, and to be able to be there for that. One time there was a, I was there when there was a, a yeah. festival called the Nyipi Festival, and oh yeah, Nyapi, Nyapi. I'm oh. sorry, I mispronounced it. 
Oh, the Nyepi Festival? No, I think that's the Day of Silence. Yeah, that, that's that's what I mean. That's what I was talking about. And yeah, I, yeah. And I remember a lot uh, of the, the tourists were like, get out of Bali when that happens because everybody just <laughs> sits inside. They they take this festival or holiday where they, you know, there's no electricity used. Um, they don't open up the restaurants. Yeah. And they were like, you know, the hotels, you just have to stay in your hotel and you really shouldn't Yeah, you're leave. not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> you're just supposed to chill out. And uh, when I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like one of the best best holidays I've ever come across. Oh man, it's so awesome, right? Other countries should incorporate it. Oh man, it's such a good idea. I agree. I agree. And, and that's what I found is that like, you know, people were leaving the island because they're like, I don't, I couldn't handle being bored for two days. What would I do? And it really gave you a chance to kind of feel the island on such a quiet, uh, a much more quiet yeah. vibe. So I guess right now yeah, it's so like, now every day is nappy. Now there's <laughs> yeah. the current vibe is like nappy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. It must be like that. Oh man, that's awesome. But, uh, one of the reasons I even arrived in, in Bali was you, you were an inspiration when you first told me about it. You and a few other people said, Oh, if you go to Bali, you're never coming back. And, uh, that sort of, sort of panned out to be true. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. just the weather's fantastic. The people are so friendly and sincere and nice here. And, uh, uh, you know, the culture, you know, the, the, the food, the organic farms. Uh, it's just a uh, very youthfulness, the ocean, the mountains, um, just have a, a wide variety of things to experience. And of course, it's a blast riding around on the scooters. I remember telling you the first time when I was trying to learn how to ride around on the scooters, how I felt like everyone was like trying to kill me because you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm riding down the road and these people are just coming right at me. And I'm like, God, these people are like, you know, I feel like everyone's like trying to get me. And he's like, yeah, but that's what's so great about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the excitement, you know, right? Up, yeah, yeah, it really is thrilling, and it's a uh, it's a blast, and it's uh, it's very youthful, and um, you know, it's just uh, it's great to be here. That's awesome, man. I, I'm, you know, I, you're a Ashtanga yoga practitioner, and I'm curious what type of practice scenario are you able to partake in there in terms of being with a group, or are you self practicing? What what's going on for you there? I've always been predominantly self-practicing over the years, just for a variety of uh, different reasons. But they, the there's two sort of uh, primary Ashtanga yoga studios here, and I don't know that they ever actually really closed down. But what they did was they just limited it and kept it going. Yeah. Um, and also, being that there's not as many people here, I guess they were able to manage it well, and I think they just continued to continued on with it um but um i have this um villa here and there's like a, a nice room for practicing yoga and it's really quiet and so it's a good setup for for self-practice and oh no i sort of like the self-practice i've just been used to it over the years and then you know I'll sometimes check in with you to get some ideas or uh learn, you know, learn some different things about you know by you sometimes and uh you've uh, been very helpful and uh, guiding my, my experience and helping me listen to things. So. Oh, thanks, Cliff. I, pre- I appreciate that. No, I, I um, <clears throat> I know. I think I feel like once we get a grasp on how awesome it is to to be alone in practice and have a routine and yeah. or a connection to it, that it it can transition from feeling like I have to be in a space with people to where you start kind of going. Maybe this is a guilty pleasure, but I kind of like being alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's. I can't agree with you more. Actually, I, I feel like I've had my best practices under, uh, you know, that situation because the focus you can just go really immerse deeper into, you know, the breath and the focus, and really sort of dissolve, and every, everything exter- everything externally can really dissolve, and there's like no exterior distractions whatsoever. So I, I feel like, uh, yeah some of the best practices happen that way. That's cool. You know, um, a friend of mine today had brought up a term uh, called radical self-acceptance. And I I guess I wanted to kind of ask you, just like throw something a little random at you. Um, How would you, if you heard, when you hear that term radical self-acceptance, how how could you define that or how would you define that? I don't know. I have to think about it. <laughs> I have to <laughs> contemplate it for a little bit. Um, 
do, just, do, do, I don't know, breaking down all the, anything that's in the way and just going for it. Just, just, just yeah. getting right, getting right to the point of just acceptance. Perfect. <laughs> Radically. Perfect. <That> sounds, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Radically, I know. It kind of made me think, uh, like, what's the opposite of radical self-acceptance? Uh, sublime. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, gentle, <laughs> gentle. you know, yeah. <laughs> <Pat>. <laughs> Oh man, good answer. That's cool. Um, so I don't know if the, the, I would like to, you know, in terms of where Ubud is on the island of Bali, you're like a little bit away yeah. from the coast and a little bit of elevation. Right. There's some pretty amazing yeah. rice paddies and fields around. Do you, oh, yeah. do you cruise down and get down to the beach? And if you do, what beach do you uh, visit when you're there? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Well, there's a whole variety of beaches. It's a pretty big island. I mean, and there's a, you know, it just depends what you're going for. If you want to like go for like more calm waters where you could swim around and like do snorkeling, you would head over like to Ahmed. Uh, and, uh, it's really nice. I heard the North is really nice, although I've never been up that way to, to go snorkeling or swim in the water. Um, if you want to go for like the surf, as you know, uh, Uluwatu <laughs> is just mesmerizing oh, to the extreme just to just sit there and watch the surfers. I mean, you could just sit there all day long and just watch it. It's, it's really, uh, captivating. And, uh, and that's where you get the sunsets get the most beautiful sunsets over the Indian Ocean and the, the West Coast where all the surfing is. So it just depends what you're looking for. That's cool. I mean, right now, uh, what month we are? We're in uh, August. So this is kind of primo. This is when the swell is mm. the most epic there. Have you gotten down there in the last few days and seen anything, you know, of that sort of I have caliber? Not, I have not. Uluwatch is about an hour and a half from here, but that's probably coming up coming up soon. Yeah, need to get yeah. back down there. Um that's a good point. Good time to go check it out. Plus, plus an hour and a half of people. being on a motorbike with everybody trying to hit you. It's it's a little bit. Well, you know, it's a little different now. Nobody's on the road now. So it's like, you know, sometimes you have the roads to yourself, especially around Abood. You just go up down uh, oh, up nice. some of the um, different trails and paths that lead north. I mean, there's no one on the road. You just you have the whole thing to yourself a lot of times. What, uh, what, even what are, yeah, even going down through Dampasar now, it's like, you know, there's going to be more people, but it's much more negligible. I have to ask you, Cliff. Um, I mean, you're born and raised in the USA, and you're you're getting the 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 beauty of being able to have a vantage point from overseas, and <laughs> and and then obviously we're just steering really clear of politics and all that sort of stuff. Um, what? What a <laughs> hard to not stay clear Preface. of politics with the United States because <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a nightmare. <laughs> oh man! And so, so like, what? I mean, I remember when I was yeah. overseas and I would and I'd watch the news and I'd be like, "Wow, I'm hearing about all these different countries around the world and what's going on." And sometimes I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, we get into where we just hear majority of what's going on here. When you're watching it from afar. What what are you what are you thinking? What are you seeing? What, what's your feelings? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm a pretty private person, so I feel like I've always been looking at it from afar. Anyway, um, I try not to get too caught up in it, and I try to always look at it from a distance. So I'm not really sure that it's that much different, mm. but mm. Um, uh, there are quite a few. Russians to come to Bali and I've heard some of them comment on it and it's you know I think that that a lot of the countries around the world just the impression I get is they just sort of find the United States to be a little bit um, uh, <laughs> confusing as, as far as what's going on there politically I think they just sort of shake their heads like what's going on over there you know what's going on with you guys 
Yeah. And, uh, but they sort of say it with a smile, like, you know, they're like, oh, what's going on? I mean, it's like, it's, you know, but, uh, I, I hear I, you. Yeah. But just, but just personally, from my personal perspective, um, I think that uh, it's unfortunate what's going on with the media outlets mm. and how people are being angered and upset and it's causing division, whereas the media could be doing something a much better purpose and actually bringing people together and you know having stories that are much more friendly and much more American and much more you know, bringing people together. So I just yeah. don't understand why the, the news needs to be so divisive and so um, angering all the time. What? That's a, that's a really good Yeah, that's a really good point, Cliff. I, I know whenever someone presents that idea to me in terms of that angle of the positivity that could come out of positive coaching from that, from that um, outlet, it, 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 we, we always yeah. wonder. We're, 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 we kind of wonder, like, wow, I wonder why, if it would be different if, if we got... Yeah, because it's so hostile and it's so it's so hostile and so insidious <laughs> the whole the whole yeah. thing and, and and yet everybody latches on to it and everyone's guided by it and I uh, it's, I don't know yeah like a tragedy uh, I hear you what what is the feeling um, like the the overall feeling for the Balinese and for like Indonesia in terms of that <laughs> on that similar element was there. Do you feel like when you're picking up the paper and or obviously that's so old school, you're, you're going online maybe or however you're getting some news information mm-hmm. about what's going on in Indo, was there ever a feeling that there was a scare for the amount of care that could be provided in the hospital if someone were to get ill? What was the general feeling there with that? You know, I think a lot of foreigners had a lot of hysteria and panic at first, but the Balinese people are just very grounded Um, and just very, just down to earth and easygoing. Um, I don't think that was ever an issue with them. They just went about just doing what they had to do. And, um, it was never anything like that. I remember, uh, once someone was visiting me here and asking, you know, because you never see anyone like getting in an argument here. Like you Mm -hmm. never see like, uh, 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 these people like getting mad at each other or like uh, uh, a husband and wife arguing. It's like, don't you guys ever argue? And they just sort of looked at you like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so they just don't get wrapped up like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's, you know. that's a beautiful thing. That's a nice, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good vision right there. I like that. I can hear some birds in your background. You got, <laughs> is that what that is? Well, there's the birds, and then there's the ducks. Sometimes the duck armies come marching by. Yeah. Awesome. And that's pretty entertaining. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Some, some natural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're really lucky because because there's not as many people here. It was easier to find, like, the, the, everything's much more affordable. I mean, everything's always been affordable here, mm. but even more so now that there's not as much demand. And, uh, and as a result, we're able to find this really cool villa that I always had my eye on but it was just always taken uh-huh. so um found something really quiet and pretty chilled out so nice man nice pretty happy about that. that's yeah. that's cool and then um a lot of oh gosh another subject or topic i kind of want to go down um the road on here is um so I'm a big fan of music, and you're a big fan of music. And uh, one of the one of yeah, the, how's the jamming been going? Have, have you been jamming much? You know, ah, uh, no, I have not. I have not. I've been my my, my guitar is sitting there staring at me at the end of my bed, and I keep looking at it, and I have this feeling of like <laughs> I have this feeling of like I got to pick it up, it's, and it's, it's just like you know, practice. <laughs> just just take that first breath. <laughs> nah, that's right. And, um, you know, uh, I know that, uh, you know, you had a, you, you play bass guitar and you got a chance to jam out with some pretty awesome musicians in, in the past. Um, and a lot of times people think that if you were into yoga, then maybe when you listen to music, you would just put like tropical Balinese birds in the background, or you would, you know, listen to some pan, pan flute. And some like real gentle, right. soothing, which is beautiful music. Yeah. Um, but then, um, you know, there's punk rock music, which is like really 
loud and it's got energy to it. And um, I'm a big fan. I know you're a big fan. How do you, um, if someone were ever to come up to you and say, how could you listen to that if you're a yogi? What what um would be your response? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, artistically, everybody has different, you know, things that they're into. But I mean, in, in one sense, you're just asking that question. You know, I like to I like to listen to um, a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah. Um, some of the harder driving punk rock music, like Black Flag, you know, had a lot of energy to it and was pretty demanding to listen to. And, and in that sense. Uh, Ashanga yoga is you know, one of the more demanding practices, and I think it attracts people that are, you know, I've heard by this idea of like A type people that are pretty intense individuals to the practice. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe there's a an attraction there. Attract, mm. Attractions uh, attract each other, and um, so, I don't know. Like for me. I don't know. It just works. It just creates the balance. I mean, yeah. you know, you just, uh, when I came to the practice, just, there was a lot of things, uh, human emotional stuff that was, uh, weighing on me. And it was, uh, it taught me, uh, patience and, um, just like a balance that I need in my life because everything was just always like going and never, and never stopping. So, Good point. I don't know. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm purposely trying to put you on the spot. Go ahead and put me on the spot. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you I actually have a question for you. I want to ask you. Let's go back to the yoga thing. You know, yeah. Emily, stick on the yoga thing. I want to ask you, as like as a teacher, what it's like for you uh, to help cultivate a new student and see them flourish. Uh, for example, as with Rebecca, I mean, like you have different students that come in there and some people come in and, and they don't stay with it that long, but then someone will come to it maybe with some background and then like really flourish and really be, you know, really stick with it. And uh, I was just wondering how, how, how rewarding that is, like, you know, to you as a teacher to be able to, uh, to guide that and see someone take to it in a, in a real sincere way like that. Yeah, man, that's a great question. I mean, I think we can never judge a book by its cover. And that's something that is becomes really apparent because anytime someone walks in, I might have a preconceived notion that based on <clears throat> a couple different variables, I might think, I wonder if this person is, is going to take to this. And then, and then, um, there might be another set of variables that when someone else comes in, I'll, I'll have this thought of like, well, this person is, is really going to take to this. And quite often I find that I'm those first set of preconceived variables often don't actually match up. And, um, so I say that because I feel like, um, since, since that started to become apparent to me now, I, every single person that comes in, I, I, I tend to think I can't wait to see how this person reacts to the practice. And I think everybody has yeah. the capacity to really gravitate toward it. Another element that seems really apparent is that like I remember when I was when I was getting into Bikram yoga and then people kind of made, uh, you know, took jabs at it in the sense that, you know, it was just purely physical that the people that were doing it were just wanting to get into a tighter pant, a tighter jeans or, um, you know, look, yeah. look mm-hmm. a certain way or kind of more right. of a bo- physicality uh, aspect, the, yeah. the, the body culture element. And but then someone who I, I really respected said, yeah, but everybody's got to come into yoga from it doesn't really matter what the initial attraction is. There's an attraction and it's, that's the kind of the essence. So I always kind of think that I always like to look at what is that initial attraction element or what, what are, what are we most interested in, in seeking? Cause usually when we go for the yoga, there's, there's something that we're interested in. There's something that we're seeking. And then I think like sometimes it's, it's really challenging. And if we just look at the Ashtanga practice, someone might walk in and they go, Whoa, that's a little bit more than I bargained for. But I feel like a a seed is planted that, that later on in time will, you know, maybe 10 years later, 
some type of be it a crisis or maybe a little time opens up or kids go off to school or whatever it is that they go now now i think i'm ready to go back to that so i always kind of feel like um don't judge a book by its cover (laughs) and because everybody can surprise you um and then but isn't it gratifying though like when someone really sticks with it and you see like that evolution of like over a period of time Oh yeah. I think, I mean, definitely from the element of teaching on a daily basis for a long period of time, that's the main fuel that when the alarm clock goes off, I think whether or not my initial thought is I can't, that the energy that comes from that, I think is what fuels the drive to continue because the, you know, first story that pops and in. And it's such an art, art form, too, to, like, what you do. I mean, it's one thing to be taught, like, you know, or to, or to practice, but then there's this art form of, like, connecting with everybody and, and interpreting everything. And, I mean, there's, like, a lot going on there artistically as a teacher, well, you know, I, knowing, yeah. I agree, Cliff. I appreciate that you're actually bringing attention to the fact that, that, that it is an art form. Cause I, 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 I think of it like that too. Uh, the, so, so yeah, man, the, the, because like one thing, you know, there's everything makes such a, a, a difference, you know, just like little, little subtle things make differences when you approach somebody or how you, you know, guide them or, you know, what, where, where you take them or, you know, I mean, like there's all these different things that are going on and you have multiple people to watch all at the same time every day. And then some people are more consistent and then more people are, erratic showing up and then like artistically you've always sort of got to be be ready for whatever's sort of coming your way when you're doing it oh definitely uh you know and there's a big difference between working on the private element and working in the the group setting and sometimes we can bump up against each other you know um and not everybody always say gets gets along so to speak and there's an element where when um, everybody, well, what do you, what, everybody, what do you mean, like, what do you mean by, by people don't, don't get along? Well, you know how it is. Like just every, every, everywhere. Oh, well you're in Bali. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> oh. maybe you forgot, but uh, uh, you, you can, mean like just in terms of like connecting, like with the teacher type of thing. Is it, uh, I think sometimes people come in with a little bit of stress and, and then, um, and then if somebody else is doing something or uh, you're coming into practice and you're trying to hold your attention steady and that's really difficult to do. And then this is the way I see it. Some, yeah. a little bit of agitation comes up and then maybe someone in the group, something about them or something that they do, we tend to want to put our aggravation into the fact that maybe they're causing that for me. Right. And so maybe I guess going back to the idea for me, when I'm thinking about radical self-acceptance, something that that makes me think or feel is that to, to self-accept kind of takes also the responsibility. And so when, when there's a, um, that element going on, like where maybe I'm having a tough time and then someone's just kind of, you know, annoying me or whatever, or bothering me. Right. And and as a teacher, you can kind of feel that that might happen in a group setting. So then when a group comes in and everybody kind of is cohesive and we're all relatively accepting of each other as well as ourselves, that to me is like, that's music. Like that, that feels like a, um, such Mm. a rewarding thing where afterward you feel like the choreography of the group vibe is, um, that's, that's pretty amazing to me too. So I don't know if that really explained what you were asking, but I, that's, (laughs) yeah, well, no, I mean, no, it's, it's just such an interesting thing that's going on because, uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, the aspect of what we were just talking about. And I think like the teacher just played, you know, obviously played play such a such a pivotal role in sort of sort of directing the energy of the room in a sense or that you know they can Mm -hmm. you know because like I recall when I first got into doing uh, Ashtanga yoga uh, back uh, in uh, Los Angeles with Mati Nasrati about 20 Mm -hmm. years ago and Mm -hmm. 
the energy in that room and the way she commanded that room and the relationship she had with her students and the seriousness of it, but then the humanity and the laughter, you know, that was going on and just, it was just like this walking into another world. Mm. And, um, I can still hear her, <laughs> mm. you know, I could still her her presence, you know, I could still hear her and she just influenced me dramatically and it just it stuck with me like for you know even to this day you know i I think back to that experience that's awesome and i'm really i'm really glad you you brought her up too because she passed away about was it been two years already and i know the astronomy community was a little heartbroken she was in japan i believe when she passed away and and right, the the right. energy that came out of yoga works um you know when you any anytime i talk i i never had a chance to practice there but anytime i speak with somebody that had that as their foundation with chuck miller and maddie Azradi, i always got the feeling that it must have been a yeah. really cool vibe because everyone's you know speaks very you know i don't of, <laughs> that's the thing you know that's the thing like i i sort of ask myself a lot of times because sometimes you come new to something you wonder like oh okay was it just because i was seeing it the first time or was it because this there was really something energetically and special really going on there and i yeah. I, I think that's what was going on there yeah <laughs> you know and uh um and and i liked it too that they had uh, in the room they uh, everyone would line up sort of you, you, it would be like a single row and everyone sort of faced each other so mm. she would walk back and forth Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and then there was also oh wait, that was another question I want to ask you if you don't mind me asking another please, question please. the sweating aspect when I first practiced I was always sweating profusely and I just it just seemed to um, really uh, enhance the practice and the and the uh, the benefits of the practice. Yeah. And then subsequently in later years, I would practice in other studios where I was having trouble sweating or there just wasn't as much humidity. And when you would read, I think like in, uh, Atabi Joyce's yoga mala, he mentions like, you know, like the detoxification, like the importance of sweat. Yeah. What's going on there when you're practicing, there's no sweat happening. Hmm. And do you think that it's, I always felt like it would be beneficial if the rooms were a, you know, not like a, not like a Bikram type of thing, but just if there was just a little more warmth in the rooms or a little more humidity rooms where it was, you know, I know you're supposed to generate the, generate the sweat through your own breath or whatever, but it just yeah. seems like if the rooms were just a little bit more conducive to that, you could, you know, you could have some more sweat going on. Oh, I mean, I, well, I, detoxifying. yeah, I think, um, that's a good question. I mean, uh, obviously like where we're living in the tropics, it's even in, we can feel the difference between summer and winter right now. You're in your winter over in Indo, but here summer, Florida, we're in full sweat mode. So even if we just, um, today I've been, I've been practicing or keeping the studio doors wide open and just letting the kind of indoor and outdoor air interact with each other. And after about five minutes of a couple sun citations, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much drenched and dripping but yeah. in the winter time here even though being subtropical um you're right like i i want to close the doors and turn the heat heat on a little bit and bring it up to like 80 or 82 you know and just try to get yeah. a little bit of warmth i mean i find that yeah it, because i was like up in boston for a little while when i was would go to these early morning practice i mean i could never sweat and i and i really hardly saw anybody sweating in his in his rooms and i thought like well what's happening where's the detoxification, <laughs> you know, like what happens when you're practicing like that and you're not, not sweating, you I, know, I mean, like, you know, to, on, on to, to play a little bit devil's advocate there recently, I started, yeah. um, checking out, uh, Wim Hof's, uh, breathing app. Are you, are oh you, yeah. And, uh, I re- uh I, I've heard about him. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he's got this idea. I heard was when I was listening to one of his uh, videos, he was saying how, um, that basically all these yogis are saying that they need to get really heated up and get their bodies warm and, and sweat. And he's like, you know, I like to practice in the snow, you know, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and get really cold. <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved it because I was like, that is like so different to what I've been hearing all these years that, and, and I love it yeah, when these ideas yeah. get flipped on their head, but the, but the basic 
reality though of like like I had a situation maybe a year and a half ago where I was in a I was doing an Ashtanga practice in a really cold room where the AC was being pumped because it couldn't be altered and I mean I, had, I got injured right so I mean but I don't like to blame you know the AC or the fact that I didn't wear enough layers of clothing I mean it was my fault but I I just find that when I'm warm it's just so much easier yeah, yeah. So I, 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 well, yeah, that would be my take on that for sure. But I, I wanna, I wanna kind of be able to go a little bit more of that whim style, and be like, nothing affects me, cold or heat, well, I can handle. I, you know, <laughs> you know, we're always like being in, in, well, being in Florida, being in Bali, we're always exposed to so much heat and like sweat, like you said, and so maybe getting cooling off a little bit's not a bad idea. You know, maybe an ice bath or <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, when I had a discussion with, um, you know, one of the people that you introduced me to Kate O'Donnell, I really appreciate the introduction you made for us there. And, uh, from oh yeah, I heard that interview the other day and I, uh, I like that, you know, she, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And she kind yeah. of made some mention there about like, you know, after a little while, after you get that really good sweating element going that, you know, yeah. maybe, um, simmering down a little bit, you know, just like cool, not, not turning up the heat so right. high and finding right. that happy medium there. So I think there's something to be said for, for experimenting in, in both of these, these areas to see what's, what's possible. Yeah, that was, yeah, I really enjoyed that, that interview with her. And I, I liked the one part where she talked about uh, the breath turning into a whisper. And then I thought like, well, then what it then does it go into stealth? You know, after that? <laughs> and, but yeah, well, you've, you've heard, it, have you heard of the Kevala Kumbaka? No, I haven't that. All right, that's a uh, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. There's a, a a breath that eventually, at some point, you just stop breathing. Right? Oh, yeah, the the magical Kevala Kumbhaka. Yeah. So, you oh, know, there's a lot to think about there. Yeah, in terms of what <laughs> <laughs> would I want to go into that breath <laughs> or, uh, yeah, yeah you, but you, yeah, you mentioned something about like you know um, about what. Uh, you know, the practices done like as far as awareness and stuff like that over a, over a period of time. And um, I remember when I first came to the practice, it's pretty wound up, pretty, you know, playing music a lot, running a lot. I, you know, I did triathlons, I played a lot of tennis, you know, very active. And, yeah. and, and, and so the yoga was like this whole other world to me and something I never thought I would come to. And uh, it really, you know, like I mentioned before, taught me patience and, uh, just really took the edge off things and brought me peace and solitude and and um, uh, but then now like many years later as I'm I'm getting older now I'm like feeling a little more tired and almost a little bit too relaxed and I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. I need to go back to something more energetically now to wake back up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, I hear that. That's a that's a. Yeah, how to get that fire going, right? Um, yeah. I, I know, right? Well, I mean, that, that's the beauty of the the vinyasa element. Um, I I had a similar thing where last year I thought, you know, I I, I need to um, I, I do yoga every single day for so many years now. I'm going to just try a triathlon, you know, and. Oh and, wow! So yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, I did a, a small Recently. one, a small one sprint. Yeah, last uh, December, and so oh, I. Oh yeah! Wow. I followed a little training regi- regime regimen. Uh-huh. Uh, started running, started biking, started swimming. You know, mapping uh-huh. it all out. And uh, after I did that, I said, "Okay, I think I'm going back to yoga." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I got the fire going just enough, and I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. I hear you, Cliff. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of, you know, when you do feel like we're, you know, if you get to that place where like maybe I need a little boost, then yeah, we're getting a little too peaceful and too <laughs> zenned out. Well, that's where so the black we need to that's where black flag bit. comes in. <laughs> right, that's where the punk music comes back in, just to bring you back to awesome. life. I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. That there is a balance there. Yeah. Well, hey, let's talk. Maybe you have a few more minutes. We can talk about peak life experiences. Oh man, Uh, 
Boy, well, do you want me to start or you? You said you said oh, well, you said peak life experiences. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. So like, like, like because key, I, I heard key, key moments. Yeah. All right. Well, what were you going to say? Yeah, like key, key moments in your life. Like, like what I heard is like very few people have like even one peak experience in their life that's so profound that it dramatically changes the direction of their life. So, oh. you know, if you're able to have one or two, you're 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 pretty pretty out there. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty out there. <laughs> Oh man, gosh. Uh, I would say, um, the first one that pops into my mind would be my, my first, uh, 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat, Uh, doing it, doing a silent 10 day sit where you sit for like 10 hours and 34 minutes a day, 45, sorry, 10 hours and 45 minutes a day. And yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a game changer for me. That was a big one. So it sort of turned the whole world upside down a little bit, or just or just opened yeah, up the, yeah. the like a million flash bulbs went off at once type of thing. Uh, I would say it was it was almost so challenging that um, that for about the first six days of it, I I had such a difficult experience where it was so so unbelievably challenging uh-huh. that I I thought right. get me out of here. And, um, right, right. but I didn't, and I hung in there that then by day seven, eight, nine, I started to, yeah, have a little bit of that. Ah, oh, this is what they're talking about. You started about. getting attitude like, come on, this is all you got. Come on. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is what they're talking about. And then by day 10, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <I was> like, <laughs> uh, so, so, so yeah, yeah. But, well, but, it, but, but. <laughs> How did it really change? I mean, like, what was the, so, so in the final analysis or like, what was the, how did it change everything moving, you know, after that? Like, did it affect a lot of things in your life after that? Uh, I would say one thing that it made me appreciate, which I, I already had really big appreciation for my wife and children, but I think that mm-hmm. um, coming back to home and having love of wow. family and and my uh, bed and my refrigerator and my yeah. simple simple things that I took for granted that you know you're just going so fast that yeah. you're just like whatever man I got a fridge and I got food right. and so I think yeah coming back to having those things that that were just there all the time I think I started to feel like much, I really appreciate that much this. sweeter. That's really cool. A little sweeter, a lot sweeter. Yeah. How about yeah. how about you? What what would you say? What's something that occurred to you at some point? Why well, are two that were like really yeah, severely so, dramatic? Two two big ones. <laughs> all right. Two severe uh, cataclysmic, cataclysmic events. I want to hear them. And then and then and then uh, a third one that's along the yoga lines. But the the first one was definitely musically. Uh, you know, like in high school, I listened to a lot of music and, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, people experience music on different levels. I tended to like go pretty deep. I mean, I would listen to like albums over and over and over again. I would really immerse myself, uh, myself in the art and, um, I'd listen to music for probably, I don't know, about six years or seven years. And then visiting my friend Mitch Burry in Adams, Massachusetts, one of my college, yeah. we were out of college friends. These guys were listening. This is like, I don't know, 1981, coming up on Christmas, 1981. And these guys are like playing Black Flag music. They're listening to like Six Pack, yep. uh, Nervous Breakdown, all these songs. And I'm just, you know, and we're just driving around all crazy. And I'm, I'm trying to grasp what's going on with this music, but it was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And uh, next thing I know, we're like, "Hey, Black Flag's playing in Boston uh, in next week." And, and we're like, we're going. I'm like, going, okay. Had no idea what to. Oh, and they had just released this record called Damage. And um, and during the day, I would put this record on, and it was so perplexing to me listening to this music. I didn't know if I was playing at the right speed. Like I'm playing at 33 and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. okay, or do I play it at 45? I mean, I couldn't grasp it. It was like beyond, beyond me, oh, man, you know, or, you. Uh, you know, musically at the time. And, um, so anyway, we go to see this show 
and uh, everyone in there was wearing like shackles. You know, uh, everyone was like dressed in black. You know, everyone was, like skinheads, mohawks. <laughs> you know, sort of coming back to the in Bali, like everyone trying to kill me. I thought everyone in there was like in the, <laughs> yeah. were, were trying to kill me. I mean, it was like scary being in there, being from the Midwest. And um, uh, anyway, so these guys came on. And from when the first note rang out, the whole place was like nitroglycerin huh. and just, just erupted. And they went through, I want to say about 25 songs, 30 songs, and they would play the first song. And then as soon as the first song stopped, it stopped for maybe a half a second or a second. And the whole place, it's like the whole earth stood still for one second. <laughs> and then they would break into the next song and it was just, People were flying, stage diving, people were flying everywhere. I'm backed up against the wall trying to catch my breath because I'm having an anxiety attack <laughs> watching what's going on here. But as I began to settle in and just sort of take in what was going on, I was watching these guys play. And I just had never seen any musicians play with such intensity. Oh, man. And the drumming and the, you know, the bass player and the guitar. And I just started really beginning to hear everything. And after this 45 minute onslaught, I walked out of there completely shell shocked. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm, and, and my friend Mitch is like, well, what do you think? I'm like going, how do more people don't, know about this. This is like the most amazing thing I've ever seen before. I mean, I, I mean, I was just completely blown away by it. And he's like, well, Hey, get ready. They're coming on for another set. The over 21 sets next. I'm like, what? We're going in again. <laughs> so, so I went in for the second set. Absolutely nuts again. And I mean, I came back to St. Louis, Missouri, completely changed. That's and awesome. everyone's like, what happened to Cliff? You know, what happened to Cliff? And I'm like, I, I couldn't talk. No, there was nobody I could talk to. That's amazing. And, and, it, and, and at that point forward, it, it musically, artistically opened so many doors and avenues to explore and all kinds of different types of music away from like mainstream stuff that everyone was listening to. And so for a number of years, I just experienced music on a much, on, on these, you know, personally profound levels and, and just went really deep into the music. And it really changed me as a person. I mean, I, I went out and really, uh, you know, saw a lot of the Black Flag shows and, um, and it just changed my perspective on, on how everyone sort of seemed locked in to everything in very similar ways. Everyone was sort of crowded together and a lot of people were sort of afraid to walk outside of that circle. And I don't know, it just taught me a lot. And it was a very dramatic, pivotal experience wow. in my life. Yeah. And uh, that was the musical one. Yep. That's awesome. That is amazing, Cliff. I want to hear the second one. Uh, the second one, I'll make it more brief. It was like an artist, <laughs> uh, artist experience. There's a painter, like an abstract painter, yeah. uh, a color field painter, a guy named Michael Rubin. Uh, and a really intense individual. Um, uh, it's sort of a long story, but uh, I'll, just, I'll just cut to like the, the, the chase with it here. Um, really intense individual, um, one of the most heartfelt people you could ever talk with, but also on the other side, one of the most difficult people you could ever be mm. around. It just sort of depends. Mm. Yeah. But that's what fuels this guy's yeah. really powerful, dramatic, visual experience type of paintings. And the thing that is so cool about this guy's paintings is there's so many layers and so many different ways to experience his paintings. It's really up to the, the viewer to yeah. um, uh, their capacity to experience. And you might see a painting, you'll come to it and then maybe you'll see it again a week later. And then maybe six months later, you're going to look at this painting and you think like this painting doesn't look anything like it did when I first saw it. And that's mm. because your visual awareness and your visual capacity yeah. has increased over time. And so this guy was really interesting to me. And I was sitting down with this painting that was hanging on a wall called red, white and the blues. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just, and I used to just like, you know, pull up a chair, just start drinking coffee and just stare at this guy's paintings. Well, 
and I knew there was something going on in this guy's work, but I, and I kept going deeper and deeper into viewing this guy's work over a period mm. of time, over several mm. months. And then like mm. one day I, I, I sit in front of one of these paintings and ah, it, it, the painting literally started moving and all these different things. And I started seeing all these, these different things start happening in the painting and it became mm. so um, captivating that I couldn't break from it. Mm. That I'm like, I felt like I was seeing something I shouldn't be seeing. Mm. Like it was that powerful to me. That's amazing. And so I want to say about like 20 minutes later, I sort of finally snapped out of it. And I was like in tears. And I want to say like for about about a week, I walked around just sort of like in tears. And I didn't really know who to talk to about it because Mm. I didn't know how to even explain what what, what had happened. Mm. But as a result of that experience, it changed the way I looked at the world. Mm. Like when I would look up at the sky or when I would look up at the clouds or when I would look out into the ocean, I saw things so much more vividly mm. because it, it challenged me visually and it expanded my visual capacity. And ever since that point forward, I never saw the world in the same way. I saw it in a much deeper Almost like, you know, your Vipassana type thing. You came back and you, yeah. things become much more clear and, you know, forward in your mind. So that was yeah. the second. That's awesome. That's awesome, Cliff. You took, you took me on a good yeah. journey right there because I, what that yeah. kind of made me feel is another element, too, in relation to one, one question that popped up in my mind is if I were to look at that same artist's work, and Mm -hmm. not have had the opportunity to meet the artist. And then if I, then you have the opportunity to actually know the artist and see their work. And there has to be a combination effect of the feeling of the artist with the actual art itself. And if you have a relationship to know both of those, that, that, that must have or could inspire a deeper, profound experience. Also, looking back on what you mentioned with watching you know, Greg yeah. Ginn on the Black Flag stage, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to to get a chance to know somebody who and the the artist mm-hmm. behind the art, um, yeah. I think has a big part to do with with the ex- like the experience. If someone were to hear this and go, "I've never looked at I, art and had any kind of a, yeah. uh, emotional response yeah. before," then maybe maybe we need to meet the artist. Maybe we need to. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it definitely <laughs> adds adds to. No, I think you bring yeah. up, bring up a really good point. I mean, I definitely think it adds to to the experience and it and it, and it broadens it. But I, I don't know that it takes away from just that mm. pure art experience that you're having yeah. out of the gate. I don't. Yeah. I don't really really know. And I think it. I think it really mostly has to do with like who you are, as far as experiencing, you know, yeah. and and what. You know what I mean? But but from when you get to meet the person behind it, yeah, it sort of it, it adds a different layer mm-hmm. to the story and yeah. and maybe yeah. there's some other things they can they, they can they can bring to it. But ultimately it's up to you as the experiencer yeah. to 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 let the art reveal itself as far as you're able to to take it. Yeah, I followed and, you. That, uh, that makes sense. I want yeah, to hear, I want to hear about uh, your third experience yeah. because you made mention that there was two. Well, actually, wait, there was three, and it had to do with yoga. And I want to, I'm curious. Well, well, two, well, the two, well, two, like, and I feel really, you know, experienced for it because I mean, I really feel like I I learned more from those experiences than yeah. like I think any schooling I ever had. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and well, I mean, you know, and actually, you know, you know, bouncing. I mean, like animals in general, I feel like mm. you know, I, I've learned more about people. And myself being around like wonderful, you know, animals, you know, mm. like I, I think, you know, you learn that that's, but that's not like, you know, a peak life experience, but that's something that's pretty, pretty yeah. dramatic as far as educationally. But the, but the third thing that I don't know that is really a peak life experience, but it was just, you know, it, it, when I first came to yoga unexpectedly, when I heard about Ashtanga yoga, cause I'd never done yoga before. Actually, uh, I was just asked to go to this Eric. Do you know Eric Schiffman? I, I, I've never met him, but I've heard great things about Eric. Yeah, he's got this book called Moving in the Stillness, and, and I was out in Long Beach, California, and my wife at the time wanted to go to this Eric Schiffman because she was into yoga, 
and she went to go to this Eric Schiffman workshop and it was like a two hour or three hour thing and I sat there amongst all these yoga people and I'd never practiced and, and the good thing was there, was there really wasn't a lot of any kind of practice going on he mostly just talked and um, he's like super long hair and he's sort of like this hippie sounding guy you know and just the way he talked anyway I overheard these two girls talking about Ashtanga yoga I'm like oh yeah I heard people getting hurt all the time I don't know and another girl saying yeah but it's just like this thing and like and I you know, turned to my wife, Rachel, and said, Rachel, this is trying to sound really interesting. We should go check it out. All right. I just overheard this conversation. So we went up to Yoga Works that day, or no, like the next day, and they said, hey, if you want to just, if you want, just go sit in on the side and like watch the class. And I'm like, okay, you know, or, or just, you know, watch for, you know, five or 10 or 15 yeah. minutes and then check it out and see what you think. Right. You know, and, and uh, before you just like jump into it, I'm like, okay. So we went in and sat in there. And I mean, from the second I walked in there, I was like blown away. I mean, I felt like I was just, <laughs> at the time, <laughs> I felt like I was at the circus. You know, I mean, like the things that were like going on there and the things that everyone was doing was just absolutely mind blowing. And the, and, and the sound of the breath that was resonating through that room, it was like, you know, the, you know I, I was like, wow. I mean, I was like really intrigued by what was going on in there. So I'm like, going, okay, I want to come back and try this. You know, I, you know, I'd never even done yoga, <laughs> you know? So, um, anyway, so I came back and, uh, and it was really interesting. Like, you know how it works is you're a new student. They just sort of tell you what to do. They you go up to a certain point and then you just wait until they come and find you the next posture. And so anyway, I don't know. Marty took me pretty, pretty far into it. My the first day and, I had had like a lot of, you know, human emotional stuff and just a lot of stuff going on in my life. And um, I walked out of there after my first practice feeling something I'd never really experienced before. Like mm-hmm. this, this feeling of invi- feeling invincible. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, like all this stuff that had been bothering me, all of a sudden, nothing bothered me. I felt like the apocalypse could go down right in front of my eyes <laughs> and I would be completely okay with it. And I just felt it such peace that I felt like, wow, that just saved my life. So it wasn't really like a, a peak life experience, yeah. but it was like a very yeah. profound experience. And it was at that point when I bet that I'm signing up for a month straight and uh, yeah, I remember about day 13 or 14 I felt like I was going to break in half but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but it was one it was really just this amazing uh, thing and I never felt so okay with everything and like nothing bothered me and so I I I, um, I went from like suffering and having things always bother me to like really nothing bothering me at all. And then all of a sudden looking back across the river where I used to be on the other side of the river. And I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many people suffering in the world. And that used to be me. Wow. And so, uh, that was my, my, you know, my first experience with, with yoga. Oh man, Cliff, I, I appreciate you sharing those stories because I feel like we need to keep dreaming and, finding these moments where we are in awe and like just blown away and, and also maybe that sense of relaxation where we're, you know, up against the challenge, but we, we feel like, dude, this could go down and I'm going to be okay. So, um, I don't know. I really like your perspective and I'm really appreciative, appreciative that you, we're willing to take a little bit of time and kind of share your perspective with us because, um, I don't know. I think we need a little bit more of that magic in life, that sort of excitement and that, I don't know, a couple of things you brought up, like, you know, feeling the vibe of the Balinese just being chill and not really arguing with each other. And, um, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the awesomeness of some good, strong punk rock music balanced with some, you know, yeah, sitting right. back and looking at art and finding appreciation. And, um, so man, I'm really, I really thank you for, for taking time and, and sharing some of, uh, your private life with us. 
Thank you so much, Claire. Oh, well, I wasn't <laughs> sure why you even wanted to, 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 to talk to me, but here, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> but, but, you know, always great to talk with you, Todd, and uh, I miss you and everyone, and please say hello to everybody. And uh, honored to always talk with you and hang out. Awesome, man. Let's let's do it again sometime, and we'll uh, we'll catch up and sh- trade stories from either sides of the world here. <laughs> okay, very cool, Todd. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. Have a great Thank night. You. Great day. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it, and we hope you enjoyed Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com, your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.